This episode is sponsored by Restaurant Startup on CNBC. The Knives Come Out January 6th on CNBC. It's the season premiere of Restaurant Startup. Hungry entrepreneurs compete for the chance of a lifetime to open their own restaurant. Drama is on the menu. January 6th at 10, 9 central on CNBC. Experience the most delicious, entertaining, and bizarre parts of life in the big city with New York Magazine's collection of podcasts, available exclusively from Panoply. Tune into the Grub Street podcast for restaurant trends that'll soon be sweeping the country. Catch exclusive interviews with the stars of your favorite TV shows with the Vulture TV podcast. And check out Sex Lives for intimate discussions of sex in the real city. It's like taking a trip to New York from the comfort of your earbuds. Uh-oh. Mr. Platt is rubbing his forehead, rubbing his temple. That can only mean it's one thing. It is the end of the year, and he has had to categorize and think about 2015 as a whole. Must be exhausting. Also, I've been eating straight for like, I don't know, what, six weeks? It's just a blur of just like, oh, you know, tasting dens and little bars and pompous chefs and it's just it's just an endless stream of sort of trepidation. And I'm just weary. I'm weary. And now the music comes in. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Here we are. We are here for another episode of the Grub Street Podcast, as always. I am Alan Sitzma, the editor of Grub Street, and I am here with Adam Platt, the chief restaurant critic of New York Magazine. Hello, Adam. How are you, Alan? I am good. 2015 is over and done with. In the can, as you entertainment folks say. Because you are a restaurant critic, you are contractually obligated to sum up the year as a whole. Think about it with a wide focus. Sigh. For restaurant critics and food writers, often that means looking back at the best restaurants of the year. And today we will get to that. But first, I want to know what our esteemed critic is tired of. There were a lot of trends that came and went this year. Every year you dutifully list the ones that have fallen out of favor in your eyes. And so today I want to start by talking about that. But first, how would you sum up 2015? Oh. Three words. Uh, uh, 2015. The party's over. <laughs> Uh-oh. Party's over. <laughs> we've not... had this We've had this sort of, especially in New York, the re- restaurant world sort of expands and attract, it sort of contracts with the economy. And this year, I got the sense, uh, making my weary rounds, that the economy is not contracting, but the cost of doing business in uh Manhattan in particular and New York in general has become so onerous and so high that the trends that we've been talking about in the past with sort of excitement are now really not trends anymore. They're sort of the the standard way of doing business. So you have uh, many of the new restaurants are sort of uh, glorified bars serving simple food, very good food, but simple food in small, loud spaces. Uh, They tend to be relying on old, tried and true formulas, meat and potatoes, steakhouses. You know, that, that, that that was my takeaway. But again, you know, I've just come out of this this long tunnel of eating myself senseless for about two months straight, so I'm a little weary of the whole thing. So the party's over. I think so. You say the trends have come and gone. They are now the way of doing business. Let's talk about the trends 
that we're tired of. Every year I do this, I do a list of the, the, the things that really drive me nuts and that I'm really tired of. So I have 10 of them. You can react to them, okay? I'm ready. Anywhere you want. So number one, and this isn't number one. I'm I'm just reading these generally. But the first one I'll say is the great California craze. Now, in New York this year, for some reason, all the California things burst into fashion. Everybody's eating seeds out of bowls. They're all nattering about avocado. Things in bowls. Things in bowls. The dish of the year. Avocado, crunchy stuff. Everybody's getting thin and eating vegetables. I'm just sick of the whole thing. You're really. sick of people getting healthy? I'm I'm just sort of sick of it a little bit. You know, it's the depths of winter. I'm a portly New Yorker. I don't want to talk about avocado toast. All right. Um, number two, the phrase house made. House made. In quotes. I'm seeing a lot of that. So there's a... Don't a, you want a sh- to know that the kitchen is back there toiling away, making everything for your pleasure? I, I do, but I'm just a little tired of the phrase house made. Why is this? Well, it's, you know we're in this sort of age of sort of artisanal correctness. And so it's gone so far that now they're making everything. Like they're making... Everything in the kitchen. They're, they're milling flour for their pizza. They're churning the butter. Some places they butcher the cow. And so what I said in my little thing is like, the phrase house made, which, is, which in these fashionably artisanal times is often secret code for quite possibly not as good as it sounds. Platty quoting himself. I love quoting myself. Here's another buzzword for you, fast casual. Fast casual. Does anyone actually know what the hell this insufferable buzzword really means, to quote Platt again. Fast casual. What does it mean? It means people don't want to have dining rooms. What does that you get mean? good food at a counter. I mean, good it means, food. It means well, Chipotle wait. and Shake Shack make a lot more money than a fine dining well, restaurant. Well, Chipotle is fast casual, but how does that relate to the, our fine dining world? Superiority burger. Is that fast? Is it ca- Where's good in there? Is McDonald's fast and casual? I think so. I mean, what does it mean? Uh-oh. What? Just tell me. Silence. All right, let's move on. Number four on our list, smoke. Smoke. Now, you, you know, smoke. You know, this has started in a few restaurants. Uh, I, it, I mean, I, I'm sure. You don't like barbecue? No, no, we're not talking about barbecue. We're talking about this in a gourmet sense. So Gourmet smoke. Uh, this is, also has to do with a little bit of the house-made thing. In 11 Madison Park, which is one of the, the great restaurants in town, uh, I think they were doing this dish for a while. I think it was the, one of the first places that I saw it. I think it was a, a smoked sturgeon. So they bring it to your table in this dome filled with smoke, and they lift up the dome with great ceremony, and the air is permeated with this nice cedar smoke or whatever heck smoke it is. Now everybody's doing it. To the extent that you actually have uh, fine dining restaurants around town anymore, you see this a lot. You see this ceremonial uncorking of the great dome and the cloud of smoke and everybody oohs and ahs and I'm tired of it. I will add that when the table next to you is on the smoke course, you always become aware of it at a restaurant. And all these places, like, it's it's part of the, the tasting menu, so like there's smoke everywhere. It's like, oh, enough of the smoke. All right, let's move on. This is an old one, and I know that you, you share my... Disdain? Uh, not disdain, but just irritation with this. Uh, and you have another word, other words for it that we can talk about a little bit. Uh, I call it limited edition hysteria foods. Now, this is a thing. It's very, very successful, actually. A restaurant will, to get your attention, will say, well, we 
are making our hamburger for, there are only 20 of them, and we're serving them starting at 6.20 at the bar, and you better get there fast. So people have been doing this for a while. Uh, it's usually hamburgers. Sometimes it's pizzas. Sometimes it's, anyway, I'm, I'm tired of it. So, tell so you're tired what you, of, what you of just, restaurant owners trying to get people in the door when, uh, by when hi, their by hours hi, by are hi, slow. By hyping things up on the internet, basically. That's what I'm tired of. It's always, <laughs> Do you have any comment on it's that? It's always the internet. It's off in the internet, my friend. Always it's off in the, the internet. internet. It's off in the internet. When overhyped crazes are concerned, it's always Let's the internet. Let's just blame the most powerful communication tool known to man. Oh, for God's sakes. All right. Let's move on. Uh, there have been a lot of food holes around town for a while now. Food holes? Food Food holes. Food courts, you know, fancy food courts. Mary Batali's Italy started the whole thing. Well, that was more of a more of a grocery store slash food hall. Now they're popping up like Bedouin camps all over the city, and there's this sort of what I call it in in in, in the magazine is endlessly proliferating hipster food halls. Now a lot of them tend to be these beloved old Brooklyn sandwich joints, which now are or pizza joints, which are now have gone national in a small way, i.e. they've mutated from a small little neighborhood place in Bushwick to a food hall in Manhattan. And what in the process hotel Bushwick Pizza Parlor could you be talking about? Well it would be let me just read you what I wrote. Is the limp slice of Roberta's pizza that you just ingested from the new Midtown dining hall around the corner from your office as good as the real thing? I don't think so. Uh oh. Yeah. So Roberta's is one of them. There's a lot. There's a bunch. There's a bunch of them. Is it fair to say that they're food courts for the Manhattan set? They're just well, they're food courts, but and there's nothing wrong with them. They're just too many of them. And the more that open and the more stalls that Roberta has, the more diluted the product is. Mm. Would you agree with me on that one? As someone who would work in an environment like that, it must be amazing to have someone open something around the corner like that. You can go every day for two weeks and never eat the same thing for lunch twice. So you're in favor of them? I don't see anything wrong with that. I can be persuaded. I... On all of these things, frankly, you can persuade me. I wouldn't mind if one opened close to our office. All right, let me digest that in silence. Let's move on. Matcha powder. Ma All right, I'm with you on this one. Tell us what matcha is. It is powdered green tea. That's pretty much all it is. That's what it is. And it's it's sort of a swampy green, vividly green, radioactive green. Well, it's pretty. People use it because it's pretty. It's sort of the, you remember when, when in the 80s, uh, dessert plates were sprinkled with uh, powdered white sugar? Yes. That's what matcha is now for us. It's like you order whatever, some ice cream or whatever, a, pie, a, a slice of pie. It comes with this green powder sprinkled all over it. Beignets. They're green. They're matcha beignets. Beignets. It's in Starbucks now. I rest my case. Done. Done with matcha powder. Done I, mean, with I love matcha green tea. I mean, I'm all for green tea. I'm all for matcha powder, but it's out of hand. Before we move on. It's time to pay the bills. A word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Restaurant Startup on CNBC. The Knives Come Out, January 6th on CNBC. It's the season premiere of Restaurant Startup, the hit reality series competition that turns up the heat. The mission, to discover, develop, and invest in America's next generation of culinary superstars. Each week, hungry entrepreneurs get a baptism by fire. If they survive, they'll get the chance of a lifetime to open their own restaurant. Drama is on the menu for the season premiere of Restaurant Startup, Wednesday, January 6th at 10, 9 central on CNBC. 
Savory ice cream flavors. Do you know what I'm talking about? Speaking of matcha. Yep. Savory ice cream. Matcha, Give me an example. I'm sure matcha. Well, green tea ice cream is obviously out there. You know, again, uh, ice cream is one of these genres which the great chefs of the city have sort of fastened upon, not just New York, all over the country. And these talented chefs are do, experimenting, doing all sorts of nuts, nutsy things with ice cream. Some of, it, some, some of it very good and some of it a little, you know, just enough, right? Enough. Like what? Uh, putting olive oil and gelato with some salt, salted caramel, fashionable for a while. So far, these two days, delicious things. These days, avocado. Yes or no? Maybe. Come on. Come on. Maybe. Sichuan peppercorns? Come on. Zucchini? It's out of hand. We've had the revolution. Let's have a bit of a counter-revolution in the realm of ice cream. Just vanilla for this guy. Just a bit. Uh, Here's another one. This is sort of a a bit. It's a bit of a cheap shot, but I I, I put it in there anyways. The term veggie. Been around a long long time. Been around a long time. It's like foodie. Like, I'm tired of it. That's what I say about veggie. Yes, I use the word every day, and sometimes several times a minute. And yes... I hate myself for it. So what do you call a veggie burger? I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. I'm just tired of veggie. Vegetable burger. How's that? Sounds unappealing. It sounds better than veggie. (laughs) Veggie pie. Veggie. uh, Yeah. I'm done with it. Veggie. All right. Our final one. This is somewhat esoteric. All right. But I think it's sort of funny. It's somewhat esoteric. And it's something that if you eat around New York a lot, you see this. It's part of the artisanal, part of the locally grown movement, which this movement has been going on for a long time now. So they're like running out of trendy things to do. And I notice that one of the things that I've been seeing around for a long time is that in the beginning of the meal at these sort of locally grown oat barnyard, crunchy, semi-vegetable forward establishments. Vegetable forward, that's another phrase I'm really vegetable sick of. Vegetable forward. All right. Radishes. <laughs> Not they, only are you tired of the word veggie, you're tired of an actual they veggie. They bring you radishes, usually on a wooden plate, carved, hewn by elves in the mountains, with little piles of rock salt or cultured butter. You know, the first 500 times I got my little radish plate, it's like, yeah, that's an awesome radish plate. The next 500 times, eh, okay. Now, after 3,000 radish plates? I'm done with them. Now, how do you feel about radishes as a garnish? Shaved over? That's fine. I love radishes. Radishes are fresh and crunchy and beautiful to look at. Just like hold the little piles of radishes. The radish plate. Bring me some, you know, I don't know, fried olives or bring me some pork rinds. How about just some bread? Bread. We can talk about bread too. Paying for your bread. That was last year's trend. Paying for your bread. Good, the bread's it's good, good bread, if but I'm good. Com- if the bread's good, it's good bread, and of course it's all quote house made unquote. It's good bread. I'm just I'm just tired of paying ten bucks for it. So, anyway, so that's that's it. everything you hate. That's this. I don't hate it. I'm just that's everything you loathe and despise. It, let's call it the plat irritation list. I'm irritation. irritated by it. All right, it's time. Let's move on. And you know, like it's good for me to get a chance to get it off my chest. So it's off my chest. Let's move on to the things that I. Me, both you and I liked about this last year. Yeah. I mean, there must be some things that you liked in 2015 in addition to all of these. I know that there are several places. So let's talk about that. What are the well, restaurants you like? Let's talk about the, the, there's 
a couple of places that you and I liked together, right? Our sort of favorite, uh, a couple of them. Sometimes our opinions do line up, it's true. And uh, generally this year, um, I thought last year was sort of a bumper crop year for restaurants uh, in the city. This year, uh, you know, I, th- I think there's slimmer pickings. But you and I, I think it was another very good year for uh, drinking and food together in one place. Yeah, everything uh, has sort of th- taken on a bigger bar component right. than so it there, had in the past. And the bar, there, there are a lot of great bars, both great wine bars and classic bars, which opened where you could get wonderful, wonderful libations and also very good food. Uh, you and I loved a... Tokyo style bar called Bar Goto. Oh, I didn't know we were going to talk about that. Well, so let's just talk about it because it's a good one. I really like Bar Goto. It's true. It is a Japanese cocktail bar. The owner's name is Kenta Goto. He was the head bartender at Pegu Club for a long time. Pegu Club is a classic New York City seminal mixologist restaurant, cocktail establishments. Uh, so he opened his own place not too far away, but it is a, yeah, it's a Japanese-themed place. Well, it's modeled on the great bars of Tokyo. He's from Tokyo. It's modeled on the great bars of Tokyo. Probably the best best new martini in town. The cocktails are outstanding, as you would expect, but the big surprise is that the food is really excellent. Yeah, wonderful izakaya, which is sort of the Japanese sort of comfort in, you know, pub food. Miso chicken wings, which is just really fabulous. They're really awesome. Stacked in a little blue and white bowl very delicately and then the, you know, feathered on top with chopped uh, chives. Oh, so good. And then there's a a famous Japanese comfort food dish called okonomiyaki, right? Yeah, which is sort of like a cabbage omelet pancake thing. Fried. It's made in a sort of a crunchy square and sprinkled with uh, sweet bulldog sauce and QB mayonnaise. And once you have one bite, it's impossible not to have 10 more. It, can, it comes in five different, you wouldn't call them flavors, but you, they're mingled with pork belly and cheese and shrimp and... They're really good, and it's a very elegant-looking place. Um, the other restaurant, Bargoto, and again, it's, you're right, it's not a restaurant, but I think we're in agreement that we. It's, it's. If I were spending my own money, I'd go to Bargoto all the time. Yeah, I think it's yeah. a. I mean, I think it's mainly a drinking establishment, but that's. You could say that about a lot of the new restaurants this right. year. Um, another restaurant that I really liked. This is a, a year when wine bars, which the old, the old sort of caricature of the old wine bar with the. A place with brick walls and you know, sort of musty corks, uh, uh, you know, fake vines, fake vines, pictures Barrels. of Bordeaux, all sorts of snobs lined up, m- whispering pretentiously about various vintages that they've never really drunk, but are pretending they've drunk. Whatever, that old wine bar thing sort of went out the window this year, and there are, lo- there are a lot of new wine bars, sort of for the new. You, you would probably call them new generation, next generation wine bars. A couple of very prominent new establishments, I would say like three, four, that really specialized in young, natural wines right. that sort of helped propel Fun- this Funky, trend. screw top, uh, d- done according to these ancient principles. Minimal uh, manipulation. Not so expensive, not, not, not so sort of a vintage vintage centric and the one that i really like and you liked it and all the critics liked it is called wild air uh in the lower east side on orchard street wild air is a very simple restaurant only i think the wine list is only 50 bottles big and they have not a big menu but they have various three or four dishes there and certainly in new york where there's all this competition you want one dish which people will come back to again and again 
like the, the David Chang steam bun, pork bun. This place has two or three, which I thought were fabulous. They have a wonderful uh, pork milanese, which is sort of a, well, it's really fried pork, uh, but it's delicious. They yeah, have it's a, like they a pork cutlet. It's, it's, it's like, it's, it's the best, one of the better pork cutlets that you, 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 you've ever tasted. A uh, wonderful calamari, the sort of lemon-scented calamari, which is sort of seized in this thick crust, so it's, it's sort of crunchy but not greasy. It's almost sort of candy-like. And uh, toast is a big thing. Actually, toast is one of the things that I'm sort of tired of, food on top of toast. I'm a little tired of that. But they do a wonderful wonderful clam toast there, these thick wedges of you know, Italian bread toasted with uh, this sort of soupy clam mixture poured over them. Very good. I think Wilder is probably my personal favorite new restaurant of the year. Pound for pound, possibly. I, I read someone wrote that pound for pound, pound was for the pound, best new restaurant. Possibly the best in the restaurant in New York. I think I read well, that somewhere. The reason I like it is because it just feels like they nailed exactly what they were trying to do. It's a place where you can drop in, you walk in, you know immediately that this isn't going to be a place to linger. This is going to be, they have high top tables, metal stools, you sit down, you're going to get three or four excellent things and a bottle of really cool wine for like. 60 bucks or whatever that you can't find anywhere else really and you're just going to have a good time and the menu is uh, sort of creative and ambitious without being challenging or weird in any kind of way not pretentious very solid anyway if any of you come to New York go to Wild Air immediately Uh, another restaurant that I liked it's a restaurant called Gabriel Kreuther it's an eponymous restaurant Gabriel Kreuther is a, a Longtime New York chef comes from Alsace, like lots of great chefs of a certain generation. Kurthy used to cook at the Modern, Danny Meyer's restaurant. He's cooked. He's cooked at basically. He cooked at Caravelle. He's cooked at the, the, many storied uh, white tablecloth uh, restaurants around town. And so he's opened this. He's obviously got big backing. It's it's a lot of money behind it. Uh, and the restaurant is sort of bifurcated into a dining room and in, in, into a lounge. And I felt that the dining room was a bit of a, a kabuki show, a bit too mannered. That smoked dish that I talked about, he's, they make a big show of some dome of smoke with some tiny little morsel of something in it. It's very mannered, almost a pastiche of the old uh, fine dining ritual. Um, but Kreuther is, is, a, is, a, is a very um, capable chef. He can pretty much cook anything. And in this lounge area is a wonderful menu uh, of his old-fashioned, his, some of them new, some of them old, but they're his takes on the great uh, comfort dishes, many of them from Alsace. Uh, so they're pots of stewed tripe and fat pork sausages with lentils, uh, liverwurst, giant wheels of liverwurst with house-made cornichons. Uh, tart flambe, his famous dish. Wonderful tart flambe, is crackly, crispy, not very expensive, and a, a wine list. Really, I think you, you, both you and I agree that if if Kreuther opened this restaurant in Brooklyn, people would go insane. If the, if just the bar area were its own standalone restaurant in, anywhere, people would, people would, call, would go nuts. They'd for call it. in this day and age. They call it the best restaurant in the city. They go, go they go nuts. The internet would go nuts. Even I'd go nuts. And I also like a restaurant called uh, Mission Chinese. Mission Chinese. Um, chef uh, named Danny Bowen. The original was in San Francisco. A couple of years back, he opened uh, one down on Orchard Street, a very small, sort of pokey, uh, quite uncomfortable. I think when I wrote about it, I, I wrote about it somewhat grumpily. As it, it felt like you were dining inside of a tool shed. I mean, I remember going with you, and you didn't love it. I didn't like it at all. You didn't love it. Heavy food, like just this one note, you know, heavy umami peppers, like bang, 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 no subtlety. People went insane, of course, because of the internet, they went insane. 
They're all lined up down the block. Eventually, it's closed because of whatever mice infestation, whatever. It was it closed because really they had was, some they had some real estate. It closed. Issues. It wasn't a great. It wasn't a great. Re- I didn't think it was a great restaurant. Anyway, so he's now he's got to open it up downtown, right on the fringes, eastern fringes of Chinatown, in a bigger room. Actually, it's three rooms, much brighter. It's much more of a, a sort of a classic restaurant experience with a bigger menu. Very good executive chef who has sort of expanded the menu and given given Boeing sort of. Uh, trademark sort of gut-busting, sort of thumping flavor profile, a little bit of lightness and a little bit of sort of, a little bit of music, a little bit of dancing, a little finesse. bit of music, a little bit of finesse. Uh, and so I, I liked it a lot. I don't know if it's my best, I mean, I, I, having, being made to make these lists and to number them, one, two, three, four, five, which is what the internet really likes, I don't want to do the listicle, but I, I'd probably call it my favorite restaurant of the year. There it is. Forced. Into it. At gunpoint. It's his favorite. By the Internet Mafia. All right. That's it. 2015. See ya. Gone. Done with you. In the books. In the books. Can barely even remember it. Let's get on to 2016. Next year. For Adam Platt, I'm Alan Sitzma. Thanks, as always, for listening. And thank you to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply and to our producer, Sam Digman. We will be back in two weeks eating some chicken sandwiches on another episode. Thank you. Happy New Year. Goodbye.